0: Welcome! Happy anniversary. Our church is ten years older, and none of you have aged a day. (laughs) Congratulations on our this our anniversary. We thought it would be a good idea to take a little inventory of the church in the Bible and our church specifically, and that's what we're going to do. We have a little something special. uh, I, I have the privilege of leading off, and then I'll be followed by Rob Selleck, then Brian Thompson. And batting cleanup from your Los Angeles Dodgers, <laughs> our senior pastor, John Warhas, will close. Let's, uh, let's open in prayer, and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are celebrating you today. We're celebrating you. You're eternal. Ten years to you, Lord, so, it's such a small amount of time, but yet you've blessed us and been in this place everywhere we've gone. And now, Lord, as we open your word, uh, God forbid we would ever come thinking that these dear people want to hear from me or John or Rob or Brian. We want to hear from you, Lord. Please have your spirit just open our hearts and our minds to your truth so that we leave this place changed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, by the way, um, each one of us gets about a 45 minutes today, so this is going to be a rather long... Not really. Not really. So uh, you know what I did? um, To answer the question, what is a church? I thought I'd go right to the source. I I went to uh, Google and I typed in what is a church. You know how many answers I got? Over 500 million. So if you want to know what a church is, Google will give you a half a billion answers. So in the interest of time, I thought maybe if this side of the church, you look up 250 million, and if this side of the church looks up 250 million, or you know what, why don't we turn to Matthew chapter 16. Here is where the word church is used for the first time in the New Testament. Now they knew all about temples and tabernacles, but now Jesus was going to introduce them to something brand new, something called a church. And he had taken his disciples north into the Gentile region of Caesarea Philippi, and there the Lord asked his disciples a question. It's important for us to understand the Lord already knew the answer to the question. He asked the question so his disciples and you and I could know the answer. Let's read it together, Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And that's the first mention of the word church in the New Testament. So Jesus asked his disciples for a little situation report. What's the word? What's the buzz? What's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And the disciples gave him a glowing answer. They said, oh my goodness, Jesus, some think you're John the Baptist, or Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets very complimentary. This would be like President Obama asking his staff, hey, what's the latest opinion poll say about me? And the staff coming back saying, well, some say you're George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson or one of the founding fathers. I would imagine our president would be quite happy with those accolades. But notice in this passage, Jesus was not flattered. He wasn't interested in building his church on the opinions of others, even if they were so complimentary. Jesus wasn't interested in being heralded as a great spiritual leader and teacher, because he was so much more than that. So only Simon's answer, only Simon Peter's answer was correct. But look, even Simon's answer didn't come from him. Look at verse 17 again. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. So even Simon did not come up with this idea on his own. This was not Peter's opinion. This came to him from God. And Jesus declared, On this rock... I will build my church what rock well the rock solid truth that only comes from God amen and that truth is Jesus is the Christ the Messiah our Savior the son of the living God we are the rock community church our name comes from this passage our name comes from the lips of our Lord And it means that Jesus is our rock, our foundation, our purpose, and our message. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. Notice, he didn't say, you will build, or we will build. He said, I will build. There's only one builder of the church. Only one architect is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And the word build speaks about a process that will take time. This won't be one of the instant miracles where Jesus turned water into wine. This process will take time. And in fact, Jesus is still building the church today. And he will continue to build it until he comes back for his church. Maybe before our 11th anniversary. In case you missed the I, don't miss the my. Jesus did not say, I will build your church. Or I will build our church. Or I will build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church does not belong to pastors or elders or beautiful congregations like you or to denominations. The church belongs to Jesus. It is his. Church is the Greek word ecclesia. It means those who have been called out. We are Christ's ecclesia. We are his called out ones. So what is a church? A church is an assembly of people who have been called out from among the world for the purpose of glorifying Jesus, our rock, in everything we do. Notice that the Lord did not hand out sheet music so we would know what songs to sing. He did not dictate an organization table so we would know how many elders and deacons and things to have. And he didn't give us a list of approved ministries. What Jesus did was define the church Based entirely on himself, and the message is clear for us: we must keep our eyes on Jesus and Jesus alone, and then allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in our selection of music, and organization, and ministry. This is how the first church was born. Do you ever, um, do you ever go back and look at your baby pictures? <laughs> you ever do that? Dan saying no. <laughs> well, you know you. You see your little baby face, your little baby body, and then maybe kind of wonder, wow, how did all this happen? But let's turn uh, to Acts and look at the baby picture of the first church. Just before the Lord ascended into heaven, he told his followers to go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon those followers, probably estimated about 120 men and women. And immediately, those believers did exactly what Jesus promised they would do when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to tell everyone about Christ, and the church was born. So how was the church born? Were they up there having a planning meeting? Did they take a vote? The church was born when Jesus' faithful followers waited and prayed. The church was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. There was no human input involved so this newborn church was the prototype it had no model no other churches in the area to help it so what did they do what was church like acts 2:42 says they the first church devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer the church had those four essentials apostles teaching fellowship breaking of bread and prayer this is not only a description of the first church it's also a prescription of what every church is called to do they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching Now, i can imagine that the apostles never said to each other what do you think the people want to hear today do you think we ought to um, soften this part about sin do you think people will be offended if we tell them what jesus really said the apostles taught the truth and nothing but the truth. And that is the truth we have right here in our Bibles, in the Word of God. So that first church was devoted to the Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, It means sharing life with each other. It's more than just a friendly handshake. It's sharing life with each other. Uh, it brings great harmony to the church. And if we have teaching without fellowship, then we don't have a church. We have a lecture hall where you just come in, sit down, open your notes, take your notes, close your books, and go. At church, in God's church, the word is not only learned through teaching, it is lived through fellowship. Third, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. This is what we call communion. We also know the first church practiced baptism. Baptism and communion were the two ordinances or two commands given to us by Jesus. An all-inclusive term for this is that the first church was devoted to worship, but not just any kind of worship. It was Christ-centered, Christ-focused worship. And then fourth, they devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is not mentioned at the end of the verse as an afterthought. It is mentioned there for emphasis. Prayer is the absolute anchor of the church. The Lord speaks to us through his word. and We speak to him face-to-face through prayer. The church must be unwavering in its devotion to these four essentials, God's word, fellowship, worship, and prayer. God does not give us permission to substitute anything for these four. God does not give us permission to have any less than these four. We can have more than these four if the things we add never contradict or distract us from those four essentials. So I guess that means we don't need Google's half a billion answers to the question, what is a church? The Bible tells us the church is an assembly of people who have been called out from among the world for the purpose of glorifying Christ, our rock, in all that we do. And the church must be devoted to four essentials, the word of God, fellowship, Christ-centered worship, and prayer. So that is what the church is supposed to be according to the scriptures, but the Bible has more to say. And with that, it's Rob.
1: Thanks Dave. Um, can you imagine what it had have been like being there? Acts 2, the beginning of the church, the apostles doing their preaching, going about. Uh, what an amazing time. Church, it's been around now for over 2,000 years and what an impact it's had undeniably from the people who have been against it and the people for it. It's had on, on, on our culture, on society, on countries. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. The definition of church um, it can look a, a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. I think if you ask people, well, what is church? What, what does it mean? If you, you, if, if you asked unbelievers, I think they would say something as, well, church is a religious building that we don't like going to. And when you do go, you need to dress kind of nice and you don't say naughty words inside. And you try to leave as fast as you can. Right? That would be church. If, if you asked a believer what is church, I think they would say, well, it's the gathering of the children of God, for the focus of fellowship and worship, right? Centered around worshiping God. It's interesting that if we look at what Jesus says it is in Matthew 7, it says, he simply describes it as everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That would be kind of his summary term of church. Paul defines it. He says, well, in Christ, we, though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the other members. We get this sense of church. And even though, even though for us as believers, it can sometimes get sophisticated. We, we come to church and we get in our Christian circles. And we all kind of bring different expectations of what church should be and what it should look like. And what we should be doing and spending our time and our energy and our focus Right? We all have kind of our own thoughts and our desires. And we hear it in culture, if you read any Christian magazines or blogs or books, right, you'll hear things like, well, the church is uh, becoming ineffective. The church is losing the youth. The church is too inwardly focused. They're outdated. They should be outside their walls. We hear all these things, and you're kind of like, yeah. Or the biggest thing is how you measure church. Can they reach the 45-year-old male? That's it. That's the key. The hardest person to reach, they say, for a church. 45-year-old male. And they're not reaching the 45-year-old male. So we hear all these things, and we're like, man, it's so easy to make the church big and complicated. And and almost can become scary. Then we're then we hear like, oh, be involved. We're like, ooh, what's be involved mean? To what degree? What's it look like? What's it mean? And I, there's a passage we can look at, and I want to turn there today. It's Ephesians chapter 4. And I think it's really going to help simplify all of this, what is the purpose of church? What are the different roles it 's ephesians chapter four we 're going to start in verse eleven as you 're turning there, I can let you know that this verse has affected or this passage the the history of our church, the past. It is affecting the present, and it will continue to affect the future. He starts off in verse eleven. Giving some very important offices that belong in the church. Verse 11, he says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. We'll look at the first two groups the apostles and uh, the prophets. Uh, this is a group of people that th- these offices are no longer open. The apostles were the apostles of Christ appointed by christ gifted by christ for that season to go out these were not people who were studying the new testament but in essence they were writing it inspired directly from the voice of god the apostles they went out and established the church the doctrine and the theology they'd go about raise up the church appoint people to run the church and then they would move on very effective ministry The prophets were the the first generation, in essence, pastors that came behind the apostles and filled in that position, also anointed by God, not to the the degree that the apostles were. They weren't writing the Bible, but anointed to the degree early in the early church they understood the word of God to the point that they could carry on the church. Paul warned the, the, the prophets weren't um, just like the apostles, just to step down. They, in fact, Paul said that they need to check what they say against one another. Even they, they warned against some false prophets. But we, we are indebted as a church, these two groups of people, they have passed on, they started and passed on everything we have. We study their, their teaching. So those are the two groups. And he says, and some as evangelists, we'll come back to that. And some as pastors and teachers. I want to focus on that for now. Verse 12. He says he gave, them, he, he gave us these roles for what? The equipping of the saints. For the work of service to, build, to the building up of the body of Christ. That phrase, the equipping of the saints, is absolutely imperative. It gives us definition. It's a distinctive of the Rock Community Church. We believe that it's the the pastor teacher's job to equip the saints. There's a lot of churches out here that think that the church's job is to attract the non-believer. But the very core, the very fundamental of what we do is to equip you, the saints. It's an interesting word. If that's such an imperative phrase that we are to equip the saints, I thought, man, let's really understand what this word equipping means. The root word, it's the same word that gets translated as to perfect, to equip or to perfect. So I said, okay, that's interesting. What's that mean? Three primary biblical ways God equips or perfects us. I think thinking, this will be awesome. This is what we need to know. The first one is he equips and perfects us through trials. Trials are things that we don't always like, we don't always enjoy. But he says that God puts trials, difficulties in our life. James chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect or equipped, complete, lacking in nothing. One way that God will perfect or equip us is through trials. Another way is through suffering. Like trials, when things come our way and we go through them and we're having difficulties, we can know that suffering, listen to this, First Peter 5.10, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Two ways we're equipped, one through trials, one through suffering. The, the third way the Bible says that we are tripped, uh, equipped and we are trained I don't think it will surprise you, but it's through the Word of God. He says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Totally inclusive. So we gave the pastors and the teachers to the church for the equipping of the saints. We just studied the three primary biblical ways that we are equipped. But now think of this. Out of those three ways, trials, suffering, and the word of God, two of those ways are up to God. He did not ask man, nor the pastor, nor the teacher to make you suffer. If the church makes you suffer, it's not the church's job to do that and they need to apologize is not to run you through trials. That's up to our sovereign God who has a plan for all of us. But he does give the church, the pastors, and the teachers the responsibility to communicate clearly, faithfully, and consistently the word of God. To equip the saints, and it goes on, what? For the work of the ministry. It all hinges upon the teaching of the word of God. To equip the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. That's another distinctive of our church we believe in. We don't want a staff that does everything. We want to equip the saints with the word of God because we're all gifted, mature individuals that he has a plan for us. And we'll see it unfold. Because that's the foundation. And this is beautiful. Once we have this foundation, watch how this grows. And we're going to see the very essence of the purpose of the church. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And when that happens, it leads on to the building up of the body of Christ. We see that happening here. And then we get to verse 13. Until we all obtain the unity of the faith. And that will lead to the knowledge of the Son of God. And that will make us a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This progression is quite beautiful. Verse 14 it goes on. And as a result we the saints will no longer be children tossed here and there by waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men and the craftiness and deceitful schemings. Man, we'll be rooted. We'll be built upon that firm rock and it gets better verse 15 says but speaking the truth in love now that's not my truth that's not your truth It's not Pastor John's truth that's the truth the word of God speaking it in love going back to evangelism we will effectively reach this community with the word of God speaking it in truth in love it's a beautiful thing. That word evangelism is quite different from the word pastor. It actually means to go out. Evangelism, biblical definition is to take the gospel of Christ to a place that is currently or it's not present. To go out and present the gospel. A biblical definition of, a, of an evangelist isn't somebody that comes into town and has five messages and five suits and, and does it and then leaves. Technically, they would go out and they'd have two options. They would evangelize, bring the gospel, raise those people up, create a church, appoint the elders, and move on. Or they take those people, bring them back into an existing church that is already consistently preaching the word of God, the pastor. And then they go back out and get more. Pastor, in in, in the opposite end of the spectrum of evangelists, is somebody who is in, in one place, does not go around. Pastor John's a great example of that. I know he gets invited to be a guest speaker quite often. To go out and be a part of things. But he's told me personally, he doesn't feel that's his call. He is called to the church, to pastor, consistently week in and week out. And we see the difference, yet we see how they work together. It's a beautiful thing. We'll be speaking the truth in love. When we understand it, when we get to this point, have you ever heard the phrase, the church has got to get outside of its four walls? It's got to become more relevant to the culture. We don't want to be unrelevant. We don't want to have our heads in the sand or anything. But the reality is there's 168 hours in a week. If you do service and maybe a small group, you spend four of them in church. That means the church is outside of the four walls 164 hours. If we get it right. If we understand it. And it goes on. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. All aspects. Just like Dave said. It's not just one thing. It's not a lecture hall. It's all aspects. Unto him who is the head. And we're not confused who's in charge here. It's Christ's church. In verse 16, it's the grand finale. From whom the whole body, being fit and held together by what every joint supplies. Do you know who the joints are in that verse? All of us. We're held together by what we each contribute, bring in the progression of the church to the proper working of each individual part. What's it cause? Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We're joints, we're members based upon the Word of God, equipped by the Word of God for service. I read various things about the church and, and, and religion and, and different things, and I, it always intrigues me. Uh, you guys heard of that 80 20 rule? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And a lot of times in church, they, they even bring it to the 90 10 rule. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. We just uh, updated our database and went through all what we described as active servants in our church. Over 50% of our adult attendants actively serve in our church. This progression, we see it. What a joy! Through the word of God, we will be empowered to transform our community. Ryan Thompson is going to come up and uh, show you some practical examples of ways you can be a part.
2: Thanks, Rob. (laughs) So as equipped believers, as equipped saints, how do we best get connected into the body to fulfill those works of service, to build up the body of Christ. Along with gathering together corporately to be equipped, we also want all of us to be connected into the body, to serve side by side, to enjoy one another, and and the deep fellowship that comes only through Christ's love uniting us. To encourage and hold accountable fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So how do we do that? How do we get connected? For Dave's part, what is the church? He went to Google, and thankfully, back to the Word to find out. For my part, we went to you guys, the experts, you, the church. We've been doing this for 10 years now, so we reached out to our church family, everybody who's been here 10 years or only two months, and we asked, how did you get connected? We received two primary responses, so either we started serving, or we joined a small group, joined a ministry. For me, personally, to hear all of these stories of how God has impacted all of your lives to this church, um, it's just amazing. The blessings that have come from serving and the lives that have been changed in our very own small groups. And in a short while, we're going to share that privilege with you. Nolan Dearborn has put together a video of a handful of those testimonies, and we'll get to watch that. So how do we get connected? Two ways. The first, serve. Come willing, come open to be used by God. What Pastor Dave said, that all we need to do is keep our eyes on Christ, our rock. So that we come willing to grow, willing to serve, focused on Christ, and ready to step into the opportunities that he provides. The second way, join a ministry, join a small group. Continue your equipping beyond Sunday services. Continue your fellowship in a small group. Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, but as often as we can, gather together with fellow believers in a group that's centered on Christ, centered on our Savior, and centered on His Word. So the other aspect of our uh, equipping ministries, our small groups that I love, is not only is it an opportunity for us to continue equipping our own equipping, but we can help equip others in there too. There's always opportunities to teach, to shepherd, to lead worship, to um, lead prayer, Even outside of those types of roles, say you have the gift of hospitality, you could be connected by offering to host a group in your own home. Also, uh, particularly what I've seen with the Home Bible Fellowship groups, the HBF groups, how uh, how they grow, and then from there, they're reproducible. They start a new group, and immediately, there's opportunities for new leaders and new servants to rise to God's calling in their lives. So what if you're not sure of God's calling in your life? You know you wanna be connected, you know you wanna serve, but you're, not, you're just not sure where. So we would love to talk to you. We would love to pray with you, and we want to help you identify your spiritual gifts and where is the best fit for you. Because we know we have several, so many testimonies of that, that when we do find that right fit, that the Holy Spirit has already empowered us with those gifts, God has already prepared those good works for us, and he works through us in our service too. So when all those line up, it just becomes, suddenly it just becomes the joy of your life to serve Christ. And as we pray for this, at the same time, we are going to encourage you to move forward, to try one, two, several different areas until you find that right fit. It was great to hear in the testimonies, again, that how many people, just the different journeys that God has taken us on, where some of us started serving day one when we got here. And um, we've been, we fell in love with that team, and we've been there ever since. Others have started this team, moved to that team, moved over here, moved over there, and have had the privilege to serve on several different teams. So again, we encourage you to try more than one place until you find, just really explore and discover uh, where God would have you. So this weekend, if you're interested in getting connected, please come talk with us. We're going to be back at the guest services table. We're going to have two handouts that list all of the opportunities that we have here. So one is going to be called Serve, and it's going to have all our current service needs, all our teams, all our team leads and their contact information. And the other one is called Be Equipped. It's going to have our ministries, all of our small groups, the days, the times they meet, and all of the leaders, um, so you can get connected in there, too. So, um, if you're a guest, if you're a regular attendee, that's another thing we saw in the testimonies, too. Not everybody showed up their first day and started serving. Some have been here several years. So, regardless of how long you've been here, come talk to us, and um, we really want to see how God can use you here, how he can bless you here at The Rock. I want to close with one more thing that really shined through on the testimonies, and that was this. For, for so many of us who got connected, it was through a personal invitation by someone else who was already connected in. Um, so as Rob talked about, we have half of our regular attendees actively serving. So there's a lot of us here, and um, we just want to leave with that challenge. With the challenge to just go forth, reflect on how much God has impacted your life through this church, and really pray about who you could personally invite to serve on your team or to join your small group. So we want to be studying together, serving together. So with that, let's go ahead and watch and listen to the testimonies of the church. Again, thank you to Nolan. And thank you for everybody who participated. We stuck a camera in your face last weekend. I know it wasn't the most, the most fun thing, but thank you so much. We had over 15 minutes of footage. We put it down to five minutes. And um, here it is. But just thank you, everybody. Well, hi, I'm Anthony Taronis.
1: I'm Genevieve Taronis, and we've been attending The Rock
2: for about seven to eight years. Uh, we, we first got involved here in 180 by an invitation from the Celex. Um, they invited us to uh, come be a part of the ministry for ten weeks, and after the first two weeks, we were sold, so we've been here ever since. My name is August.
1: Um, I've been here for four years. First got involved through an invitation from Anthony, um, got plugged in with Rooted, helping out with worship. Hi, I'm Karen Thompson, and my husband Carl and I have been attending since the very first meeting at the Garden Church 10 years ago. And I first was approached for ministry from Laura Chandler. She had the idea of teaching a Bible study to the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and I have been teaching the Bible ever since. Lay down our life for heaven's cold. My name is Jason Eady. I'm Renee Eady. I've been here for about 10 years.
0: And I've been here for 4 years.
1: And I started serving in 180.
2: I first got involved when I was invited to serve in children's ministry. Hi! Hi! Who are you guys? Who are you guys?
1: We're talking! And,
2: and how long have you been here? Five. Your whole life? Hi, we're the Ochoas. This is uh, I'm Jeff. This is Shauna. It's my son, Matson. Um, we've been going to the Rock for ten years, and I got plugged in by uh, being invited uh, with men's breakfast and do everything else since. Um, I have been serving in children's ministries for seven years, and um, we host a home Bible study in our home for the past five years.
1: Else?
2: Yeah, I've been here my whole life. We're helping my dad bring in chairs and the and the and tables in the kitchen. No force somehow stop
3: Your unity changing hearts. You made us for much more than this Awake, the kingdom
2: seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of
0: Christ. Hi, my name is Brad Berryhill. And I started serving about 10 years ago, and I got connected into guest services.
3: I'm Taylor. <laughs> I'm Abby. I'm Destin. And we serve the Worship Team. Hi, we're Pat and Bob Burris. We've been here at The Rock ever since it began. We started as greeters,
1: and we're still greeting. And we love Pastor John. We followed him from the other church, and we just love this church. It's absolutely wonderful, the fellowship. And what was the... this,
0: this is our little greeting song. song. Let's go to the rock, oh baby, let's go to the rock.
3: <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. I'm Sarah. And we got connected through the 180 worship team.
2: I've been serving in the Rock Community Church for four years. And I basically, basically got connected to the Tech Team. Hi, my name's Wayne and
0: uh, I've been serving with Pastor John for about, about 16 years now. And uh, when we moved over to The Rock, I kind of got involved with the Tech Department and I've uh, been running Tech ever since.
1: Hi, my name is Mark and my wife and I have been here with The Rock Church since they started in this new building about two months ago. And like, I got connected in through the praise band, I play a bass and uh, we are glad to be here my name is christine thomas i've been at the rock church for three years i started when we were back at via del rio and just a couple weeks after i started i got plugged into children's ministries i started at the nursery and then i checked in all your children and now i teach first through third grade on saturdays after i got married to my husband brent we started The HBF group on Thursday night with a bunch of other families that we absolutely love, and that's really how we got plugged in at the Rock. We feel like we have such a great family here, and we absolutely love
2: it. Hi, I'm John Tenora. Been here at the Rock for uh, ten years since we started at the Cinema City. Uh, First time I was came here to the church, Laura Chandler grabbed me and asked, "Hey, would you like to serve?" And I said, "Sure." And
1: I've been in charge of the greeters ever since. Hi, I'm Tony Long, and I've been involved with the Rock Community Church for about three years. I started out as an usher, and when we moved to the new church, I put myself in the kitchen, and I've been there ever since, and I enjoy it.
3: Build your kingdom here, let not that awesome? Thank you, Nolan, for putting that together. That is just amazing what is uh, happening here at our church. And what a privilege to be a part of what what is going on here at this church. I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of, of, of this place. Whether you've been here for a long time or not is irrelevant. That you're here is what is important to us. And we absolutely love and adore you. Last night, I forgot to make mention that tomorrow is Veterans Day. I felt really embarrassed for that. I do not want to put that aside. We, we thank God for all of the people who have served this great land of ours. Um, this is a great, great nation we have the privilege of living in. And for those of you that have served, uh, have loved ones that served in, in the uh, armed forces, um, usually I have you stand up. <clears throat> I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I don't know. Would you mind standing if you serve in the, in the armed forces so that we can? <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I love you, I love you Part is a, kind of a small part in a, in a way I get to share with you a little bit about who are we What, what is it our purpose what, what do we do as a body of believers Well, really Dave and, 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 and Rob and, and, and Brian Have pretty much set the stage of what we are and who we are uh, I just will kind of just share a little bit about that. What do we believe? Well, there are statements. we have a statement of faith. You can find it uh, in our brochure. You can look online. But basically, we believe that the Bible is God's written revelation to mankind. We believe it's inspired. Every single word is inerrant, inerrant in its original doctrine. We affirm the infallibility, the sufficiency, the authority of Scripture. We believe that with all of our heart. We also believe there is but one living and true God, an infinite, all-knowing being, perfect in all of His attributes. He's one in essence, eternally existing in three persons though, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each of them equally deserving our worship, our praise, our honor, our glory, all that we can give them. We believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. We believe in His virgin birth, His sinless life. We believe that We have life through his shed blood, his bodily resurrection, his ascension to be at the right hand of the Father, and we believe he will return one day in all of his glory. We pray that day soon. I do anyways, but I get it. Some of you are younger and want to get married and all of that. We'll let him do it in his timing. It'll be perfect. We believe that man needs salvation because all of us are sinful, we are all lost. But once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we believe that instantaneously we become by the power of the Holy Spirit a part of God's family. That is enabled by the Holy Spirit in response through our faith. We believe that salvation is holy by God's grace on the basis of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Our merit is by His shed blood, not on the basis of our human uh, merit or our human works. It's all faith. We believe in the Spirit-filled life. By that, we believe that the Holy Spirit baptizes all of us into the body of Christ, the moment of salvation. And the Holy Spirit then indwells, sanctifies, instructs, empowers us for service and seals us for the day of redemption. With that in mind, we believe that there will be a bodily redemption of both saved as well as the unsaved. For the saved, it will be a a life of eternal life in heaven. For the unsaved, it would be a resurrection into damnation, which which ought to encourage you and me who know the Lord to go to everyone that we we do not know for certain that trusts in Jesus Christ to share with them the wonderful news of our Savior. Lastly, we believe that Everybody who puts their faith in our Lord immediately is placed by the Holy Spirit into one spiritual body called the church, whom Christ, whom Dave taught us, is the head. And the purpose of the church, as we've been just told already, is to glorify God. How? Oh, by building up the members in faith, instructing each other by the word through fellowship and keeping the ordinances. In other words, obedience, advancing and communicating the gospel into the world in which we live. By the way, our statement of faith comes from the Grace Community Church. <laughs> we, we we ripped them off as <laughs> as thoroughly as we could. John, Dr. John MacArthur teaches there. He is the pastor and, and, and their sound faith has influenced ours. The first church that I ever attended with my wife when we married was Dr. Jack MacArthur's church in Eugene, Oregon, Johnny's father. And I got to be friends with him. And he, along with, with Johnny, his son, and, and many other people, have influenced the teaching of the Bible that we do here at this church. But we didn't see, deem it necessary to reinvent the wheel. I want you to turn with me, please, for a moment, if, just if you have your Bibles, to Second Timothy. I want to share with you who we are. Why we stand on what we stand upon. Now some churches say they they preach a biblically based message. I don't particularly like that statement. Biblically based message? No. We don't make that claim. We claim to teach purely only the Bible. It's not biblically based. It is based upon the Word of God. That means that we teach the Bible line upon line. We teach what our Lord God has commanded His prophets and the apostles to write down so that we would have an understanding of what God wanted to say to us in order, so that we could read it, study it, and teach it word upon word. And I told you to turn to 2 Timothy. Look at the fourth chapter. Look at verse 1. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Verse 2, here it is. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. He tells them to be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and with great instruction. Listen now. He says in verse 3, there's going to come a time, Timothy, where they will come and not endure sound doctrine, but they are those of this world. They won't want sound doctrine. They will want to have their ears tickled. In other words, they'll want to hear what they want to hear. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. It's okay. Oh, it's Bob. Who, who is it <laughs> he will get they will bring in the people who who want to teach according to their de- desires in other words i have heard over and over and over again in fact we have a, a de- we, so many dear people that 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 have gone on to live other places gone other to to uh, have other positions of, of work and they've moved on and, and, and I've, I've, I've received email after email after email finding do you know of a church? Do you please know of a church in this area? We've gone to churches and we, we can't, we, the word of God is not being taught. Someone will come, the, the pastor will come and, and read one verse and then go off on some t- topic, some subject that is is not even relevant to what he has just read out of the Bible. And they will want to have those teachers who are in accordance to their own desires. In other words, I've even heard and know of personally some churches where they've, they've, they've encouraged their people not to bring their Bibles into the, into the sanctuary because they didn't want to offend any visitors who are coming. Our purpose is not to offend a soul. Rob said that clearly. But, but our purpose is not to offend our Lord, more importantly. And He has asked us to Preach the Word. And it says in verse 4 of of 2 Timothy chapter 4, they will then turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. And we don't want that for you. We don't want that for you at all. We love you way, way, way too much. So why have we remained committed to expository preaching of the Bible against going other directions? First of all, because it is a biblical mandate. Our Lord has asked us to preach the Word. The message that we preach does not fluctuate with culture, expectations, the times in which we live, the season in which we live, nor the fads of our society. Just as we have read in in 2 Timothy 4, I solemnly charge you, Paul says, preach the Word. You see, if expository preaching is truly the the way God has intended it, then it is the best way to preach the Bible. Look, since we know for certain that every word of, of the Bible is pure, true, and needed, then expository preaching is the only way that we actually come to grips with every single word and every single thought that the Lord God wants for you and for me. We don't duck and hide. We don't Move away from difficult passages. We, we try to teach it the best we know how. Secondly, expository preaching familiarizes the people in the congregation with the Scriptures itself instead of simply giving them a, a nice speech, a nice topical speech. With expository preaching, people become familiar with their Bible that's why we've asked you to have your own Bible and if you can't afford it we will give you a Bible we want you to have your own Bible and we would encourage you to mark it to to write down things in it uh, Karen Thompson told me about a month or two ago she said that message you just gave she said I have my note in my Bible that you gave a, a similar message some 10 years ago I marked down the date and I remember it out of the word of God She didn't remember so much what I said, but she remembered what the Bible taught her. And that's the purpose. We want to give you the Word of God because it will have a long-term impact upon your life. And you will then become familiar with Scripture, not the teacher. That's what we want. Thirdly, teaching the Bible as we do makes the authority clear. Rob mentioned it, and so did Dave. The authority isn't the person who gives the message. The authority is this, the Scripture, our God, who gave us the Word. No matter how powerful, how gifted the preacher might be, the Scripture is the issue, not the teacher. In consistent expository preaching, people will always know who is the authority. It's our Lord. It isn't about, wasn't that a great sermon? It's not about, whoa, did you get that outline? Did you note the points that he made? Those three points, they're phenomenal. No, it's always about what did the Word of God say to me today? That's the issue. No other preaching model will do this. Well, what are the challenges? Or well, What are the difficulties in preaching today's culture, word upon word? Well, first of all, We've got to figure out what is today's culture. What do people think? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not good at this. I I don't don't Google things like this. And I don't try to find out what do people think because I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't care. I I care about what does God think. I mean, that's kind of, I know, I'm boring. I get it. But that's all I think about. The average person, though, I think pretty much... Feels today that they are free to think and do whatever they want in our society today. What is done in privacy? I've heard this so many times it makes me nauseous. What, what, what we do in privacy, what is that any of your business? As long as I don't hurt anyone. Culture today doesn't care what we think, what the Bible thinks. They, they just care about their freedom. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And the Bible, when you teach the Bible, it tells you that there are absolutes. Not my absolutes, but there are absolutes. The end does not justify the means. And the bottom line through expository preaching, line upon line teaching, it confronts the morals of today's culture with authoritative message from the very authoritative truth of God's words, not mine. It's not a question or a debate. We we don't have to find some way to sneak the truth in through some topical message. The issue is the absolute authority of Scripture, letting the, the Word of God make sense in your heart, as it will do. Lastly, then what are the advantages in the culture in which we live? Well, expository teaching is the only thing that's going to change a person's heart. Let me tell you why I believe that. There isn't any other way to affect people positively aside from hitting them by the authority of the Word of God. The, the worship team's going to come up and finish us with a song. They're not <laughs> sneaking up on me. And <laughs> you see, the Word of God will not court today's society or culture. The Word of God will confront it with timeless truth I don't know when it was on because I recorded it but there was a a program on television um, celebrating Billy Graham's 95th birthday I don't know if any of you saw it I would encourage you to kind of go back and see if it's shown again in time I think it was on Fox network whatever, whatever that is I don't know what channels are anymore I used to know when I was born there was two four and seven that was it go home <laughs> but you know what was said throughout that time it, it showed Billy Graham sitting there at 95 years old and it showed him when he was younger preaching and what was mentioned over and over again that his message seemed to be guess what the same timeless timeless I heard that said maybe 5, 10 times and it was, it was exactly what I had written for us I listened to it last night, and I sat in my my home, and I cried like a baby listening to that message preached. And I heard them say over and over again, it's timeless. You see, that's what the Word of God does. It's timeless. We don't need to defend it. We just need to unleash it and let it move within your heart. It exposes errors in the society's thinking regardless of what our society might be thinking or not thinking. And God's authoritative word will bring timeless truth to light against whatever the society is thinking at that moment. That's why we teach the Bible as we do. That's why we have such gifted people here that, that, that bless us. I've been here now with you 10 years. Never had more fun in my life than I have in the last few months. Working with, with Dave and with Rob and Brian have been the joy of my life. And Kendall, go Stanford. <laughs> I've been here, uh, operated on my shoulder. I got a new shoulder. I had cancer in my, what, are they, what is this? Uh prostate. They took it out. I don't think I have cancer anymore. I don't know. And I got a new knee. If I, st- if I stay here long enough, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm going to be a, a, a brand new guy. <laughs> thank you for giving me life, people. Thank you, thank you for giving me purpose to live. I pray you feel the same pray you feel the same when you come here, that this is not just a place to come, but this is your home where we gather together and encourage one another in our faith. Each one of us is critical to the next person. We're needed. I love you. God bless you. Go ahead. Thank you.